0: I go right now? Yep. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most out of this time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Good job. You may be seated. Good job. Good job. Okay. So does anyone know does anyone know this book? The Pilgrim's Progress. Oh yes. Maybe you've seen the movie, it's a cartoon, or maybe you have never heard of this book. So it's a great story, it's an allegory. Does anyone know what that word means? Oh I used to the Allegory. Caroline, define allegory? Elizabeth, Elizabeth. allegory? Why are you talking about? Caroline knows. You're talking knows. about the person God, Shh. right? Not the uh, pilgrims. No. <laughs> Shh. I don't have a that bad. Shh. a story that's supposed to mean something. Yes. 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 So, David, be quiet. What? No, it doesn't matter. Just be quiet and listen. So, this story is written by John Bunyan. And John Bunyan lived <laughs> yeah. in. Like Paul Bunyan, the axe? I mean, the. Like, Bunyan's like. Paul Bunyan, the that John Bunyan? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was. So, that, yes. So, John Bunyan originally wrote this book quite a long time ago. And, anyways, it's an allegory about. The Pilgrim's Progress, or Christian. A Christian's Life. The main story, the main guy's name is Christian, and he takes up a journey, Pilgrim's Progress, um, and, it, and it's something, it's a very good book. I would read it, I would watch the movie, it's it's, it's a classic. But there's a part in Pilgrim's Progress when, uh, if you've read it or you've watched the movie, you'll remember this, um, but it's a it's a good time in the story for you as the reader to decide what would what would I do, what would Reese do, what would Gavin do, and but there's a point along the journey that Christian is on where Christian and another character named Hopeful are um, talking with one another, and Christian becomes aware of the fact that the path that they're on. Remember, they're in Pilgrim's Progress. The path that they're on is just a little bit too rough for their liking. It's too difficult, they don't really enjoy it. Um, And his feet are becoming sore. I don't know if you've ever been hiking before. I know a couple years ago, April took me to, uh, we went to Gatlinburg and we hiked. Um, We just decided like we're gonna go up this path and in round trip, it was 11 miles. And it took like, I was so mad because I mean, I didn't know that I was about to walk 11 miles. So my feet were sore, so it it was an all day excursion. Just up and down. Anyways, But um, and as a result of this, Christian and Hopeful in the book, uh, they become somewhat discouraged because the path is so difficult. And he begins to think that maybe somewhere there's a smoother path, something that's a little bit more easy to walk on and more pleasant. And soon enough, they find a pleasant little path uh, called By Path Meadow. Now, again, it's an allegory, so everything that Bunyan is writing is alluding to something that is a part of the actual Christian's life, so he's using storytelling to make a big point. And so they take bypath metal. Chris, Christian hopeful says, "Let's step aside into it and walk there. Perhaps we'll find uh, something that is smooth path, which allows us to have a better passage, uh, and it will be hopefully it will be to our benefit." And to which hopeful replies, "But what if this path should lead us out of the way? So what if this path ends up taking us?" Longer because as we're on this pilgrim's progress, it, it takes us on a detour. And Hopeful asks, Well, that's, that's not likely, is it? I hope. And so, well, little did he know, Christian and Hopeful, because as they began to make their way along this smoother path, they see someone far in the distance ahead of them. Does anyone remember who it is? It's the devil. No. So there's an individual, and his name is Vain Confidence. So, again, allegory, super cool book. Mr. Vain Confidence asks Christian hopefully, he says, hey, where are you going? And he says, oh, I'm going to the celestial city. Um, and thereupon they lose their way and they fall into a deep pit uh, and, is, and um, they're never heard from again. Now the weather deteriorates, they're overwhelmed in their journey and they lay down to sleep only uh, to wake up in their journey and they're in a They've fallen asleep in a giant property called Giant Despair. So again, I I love these names. You guys should be freaking out. So in Giant's Despair, they're in a huge castle, and it's dark and nasty and stinky, and it's a dungeon, and they're far away from friends and in a hopeless place. And Christian observes, and he says, Who would have thought that this path, so pleasant, would lead us astray? So, that's our little illustration tonight about walking wisely. Now, if you remember last week, what did we talk about? Hmm. No identities. identities? Kind of. Sorry? Yeah. Oh, so two weeks ago was taking off the old self putting, on the new self. putting on the new self. That was two weeks ago. Last week, Paul was telling us there's a certain way you should live, right? There's light... And there's darkness. Yeah, I read, like, all the that you do. Right, and he gives you this list. And then if you look at what Macy read, right here. the first thing he says is, pay careful attention then to how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So, Paul, in light of what this book is about, what's this book about, David? Two things power of the gospel, and, uh, new identity. and their new identity as Christians. So if you remember that as we go through this, Paul is saying the gospel changes everything about the life of the believer. When you become saved, you're no longer just regular old Macy. You are a Christian Macy, and your life has been changed. God has justified you. He has turned your life upside down for His glory, and you're on a new path, and you are called to be wise. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, pay careful contention attention to what you're doing. Now the headings in these CSB Bibles are super helpful. What does it say? Consistency in Christian life. So tonight what we're going to talk about is how to be a consistent Christian. Do you ever worry about that? Like, am I consistent? Do I, Matt, do I, do I live up to what I'm actually talking about? Do I walk the walk and talk the talk? or you know if people at school know I'm a Christian do they or do they even know that I'm a Christian when they look at Caroline are they like you know is she any different from anybody else or is she just looks like everyone else those are good questions we ask ourselves so we want to know are we being consistent in our Christian life because we've taken off the old self we put on the new one we we don't want to live in darkness we live in the light and now there's this gospel power which David alluded to that Paul is saying will change the way you live. And so I have four points tonight. One, two, three, four. Stay awake, stay sober, stay thankful, and stay submitting. Now, our first one, verses 15 and 16, someone read that again. This is titled, Stay Awake. Someone read verses 15 and 16. David, open your Bible. Thank you, buddy. You read it, David, 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. Do you want me to do it? we got more to read. Call on you soon. 16. Yes, sir. Carefully Stop there. Because the days are evil. So, now, when I said, what's one thing that you some of you would never get tired of doing, you're like, oh, sleeping... So now, is sleeping? Here's a question: Is sleeping a neutral act? What, is that? Pretty, what do I mean by neutral act? Like saying, like if if I take part in this act, nothing happens. You well, know, because sleeping is beneficial, so if you don't take part in sleeping, you're gonna like, be like a zombie. So it's, a, it's also it's also it also could be bad for you because you can also have <laughs> dreaming. Yeah. So sleep is generally speaking it's not neutral it's restorative right it's actually good for us Yes and 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 at your age it's especially useful because you may be growing your your growth plates in between your joints may not be closed you may be growing and then you know you continue to develop especially neuro- neurologically until you're 25 so you've got a long way to go until you've pretty much peaked when they hit 25, they like felt their brain snap in place. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't I feel, feel I, <laughs> I didn't personally feel that, but maybe that's because I was dumb. But uh so, But the point being, sleep is not, you know, sometimes we think sleep is just a neutral act. Like I just I'm just gonna do nothing and fall asleep. And while you may not consciously be doing anything, your body is doing a lot of things. Especially if you like to work out, when you sleep, that's when your body repairs itself. And so, or if you like to study and read a lot, your brain needs a break and that's when it recharges itself. That's when it actually digests the information into your brain and it becomes a part of your memory. And so sleep is not a neutral act. And so what he is kind of saying here, I think when he says, pay a careful attention, then how do you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time that you have because the days are evil, I think Paul is telling us how we live and how we use our time is not a neutral thing, right? Everything that you do matters. I think especially when you give your life to Christ, everything you do matters. Now. Good question for Elizabeth back there. How then do you live every moment for Christ? Big question, huh? Don't sleep. Don't don't, s- <laughs> <laughs> don't sleep. Don't eat. No. So what he is saying is, what if you think, how do I, if the question is, how do I take every single moment and live for Christ? Now, obviously, we're still going to sin and we'll have to repent because we won't take every single moment, but how do I try to be cognizant of taking every single moment captive and and thoughts and everything that I do for God's glory? So, no, you can't actually stay awake, but spiritually speaking, you need to stay awake spiritually. Now, you need sleep. God, God ordained rest, right? Out of all people, do you think God needs to sleep? No, right? He's not even a human being. Now, He part of the Trinity, Jesus, became man, but God the Father is not a human being. So the fact that on the sixth day of creation and in the seventh, he said, I rested, that shows us that we too much need rest. And so staying awake spiritually, Emma, how do you do that? Spiritually stay, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because what he's saying is, what do you think it means to pay careful attention to how you live? What does that mean? So if you're careful about something, does that mean that you live in a bubble and you don't ever do anything? No, that's paranoid, right? There's a difference. But if you're careful, you're just aware of what's going on, right? If you are careful, say you go into a big city at night when you're in your early 30s, Macy. I don't advise against it, but you're a young woman, like you would need to be careful about your surroundings. You just wouldn't be around just pretending nothing ever bad can happen. Pray it never does, and and I'll hurt someone if it does. But the point is, you're not paranoid, but you need to be careful. You have to pay attention to the choices that you make, the the ideas that you put in your head, and the the things that you do. And so he says that as a positive, and then he counters it with a negative. He says, pay careful attention then to how you live, because unwise people pay attention to how they live. Is that what he says? No. What does he say? He says unwise people don't pay attention. He says they're they're foolish. They don't pay attention. And if you take everything we read in the past chapter, he says, man, look at all these things. He tells he gives us this list of light versus darkness. They do what's in the dark. They live in the darkness. They're not wise. He says, evil is because the days are evil. What does that mean? This sin is the fall of sin. Yeah, sin is lurking around. Yeah, true. We, we all want more time, especially as we get older and older. We think, oh, if I just had more time. But as a Christian, you don't have to live that way. You can pay attention to how you live and seize every moment for the glory of God, even the most simple things. You may laugh at me, but sometimes in the morning when I get up, I ask God to help me make the bed for His glory because I don't like making the bed. I like at all. And like when I sleep, like April, like when she sleeps, she's just a little peaceful a little pea in a pod. She never moves. And then when I like she gets out of the bed, you can't even tell she was there. And then I get out, it's just like a war has happened. The covers are gone. My bed cover my pillow cover comes off every time I wake up. I mean I don't know how it comes off. And and my so not even on my bed anymore. But that's but that's one way in a simple life, that's how I pay attention to how I'm living. I say, God, I even want to make this bed for your glory, which sounds silly, right? But He cares. He cares about every aspect of my life, and I want to do even the smallest things for Him because sin is lurking in every, every corner. You know, I could quickly turn bed-making into, I wish April would do this, I can't believe she doesn't do this, and even sin against her by being upset with her for no reason because she didn't make the bed, even though she gets up before me, so <laughs> that's kind of a rule. Last one out makes the bed. I think that's... That's just how it is, right? But So we need to spiritually stay awake by paying attention to how we live and realizing that what we do, there's no neutral aspect of our life. Every decision we make is either a decision for the Lord or against the Lord. And that matters when we, when we have so much time. Like God knows your lives intimately, right, and mine. He knows to the second when I will expire, when I will die. And He knows the same for you. Now, I pray all the time that you guys lived like scientifically, unbelievably long lives. And it's like, you know, you'll be like 180 because that's what I want. I want you to be so old and happy. But God knows how long we'll be on this earth, right? And so he's given us a set number of seconds to please and to be obedient to him. And so we want to stay awake spiritually so that we can seize those opportunities. Because we know that the devil would rather us do what? Not do that. Not do that. Sin. Choose to be to be lazy. Now I'm not saying you can't ever take a nap. I'm not saying you. Right? We don't. We are Christians. We're not legalists, right? We don't. Do we? Does that word make sense? Legalism. What do you think I mean by legalism? Like what do you? When you think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, do you think they were very happy? Because they live by. A, Yeah, well done. Excellent. This is exactly what I mean by legalism. So we're married to Christ, and we have freedom. So it doesn't mean I don't ever take a nap, or that I don't ever play a game or watch a movie. But it does mean that when I do have options before me, I do the best that I can to choose the ones that honor God. Does that make sense? And I do so by spiritually staying awake. Now, in verses 17 and 18, Emma, read that for me, please. So we know that we need to stay spiritually awake. And we need to say, sober. So hit that one. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to rightful living, but be filled with, by the Spirit. Good. So, God is calling us to stay sober. Now, I think explicitly, in this, this He's he's saying, do not get drunk off of wine. So... You know, Dr. Mike has a very great understanding of the Greek and Hebrew words that are akin to alcohol. And so I do think he's saying very clearly, don't get drunk off of liquid. And and I don't want to undermine that, but staying spiritually sober includes staying physically sober, but we can also stay spiritually sober like Paul, I mean, like Peter talks about in 1 Peter 5 8 when he says stay sober-minded, because the devil lurks around the corner seeking to devour you. And so drunkenness. If what are some alternate words for drunkenness that you would think would mean the same thing? Intoxicated. Under the influence. influence. Mm -hmm. Foolishness. Stupor. I'm gonna. I'm gonna alter that word. (laughs) Idiots. Bad choice, huh? Dumb. Dumb. And so we, we can say that drunkenness and fooling, foolishness go together, right? And so he says, hey, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, which if you take that into the first two verses, he says, pay care, full attention to how you live. He then says, don't do this specific thing because it's reckless, but be filled up with the Holy Spirit. What do you think he means by that? think he means by that, big G? Filled up with the Holy Spirit. So he uses a drinking metaphor, right? He says, don't drink so much and be consumed with alcohol that you become drunk. Instead, be filled up with the Holy Spirit. So instead of drunkenness, he wants you to pursue holiness, right? He wants you to become holy, and righteous, not self-righteous, but righteous by the power of God. And he wants you to understand God's will for your life. He says, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you think you can understand the world, the Lord's will by living in sin? Do you think you can? No, I would say it's impossible. If you're living in sin, there's no way. And And drunkenness is just one thing. Now, there's a host of sins that you can... Choose and, and ruin your life with, but the idea is if you if you 've given yourself over to something that takes hold of you can you know the lord's will for your life no and he talks about that light and light versus darkness so he's saying stay spiritually awake stay sober physically and spiritually so that you can understand god's will for your life which you cannot do if you live in a stupor if you live in, if you live intoxicated you cannot do it. 19 and 20. Kate, do you mind reading for us? Awesome. We have stay awake. We have stay sober. Then we have stay thankful. So he's saying, what? Speaking to one another in psalms. What are the psalms? We talked about this Sunday in big church. It's the Hebrew songbook of the Bible. Okay, so they used to sing the psalms. And some churches still sing psalms, like for their worship. And I think it's cool. I think it's cool to do that sometimes. So he's saying, speak the psalms to each other. Do you know any psalms off the top of your head? It's okay. You know where it is in the Bible, right? It's like right in the middle. So he says, speak, speak the Psalms, hymns. Do you know any? What's your favorite hymn? Do you have a favorite hymn? Mine is His Mercy is More. I know Psalms. Wake up, Lord. Why are you sleeping? Get up. Don't regret us forever. Good job. I knew that off the top of head. You did not. Does anyone have a favorite hymn? Or a favorite worship song. Again, mine his mercy is more, greatest song. Graves in the Gardens. Song of Songs. Song of Solomon. i that Song of Solomon? Song of Songs. I know. Some people call it Song of Solomon, Song of Songs. Favorite favorite song, Grave in the Garden, His Mercy is More, Becra. I saw the light. Great is thy... That's a good one. So we can remember these words that we praise to God, and we can share them with each other, and we can remain thankful. And so what he's telling us, I think, is he's telling us, praise God with your friends, praise God with your family, but always praise God with ferocity. Now what does that mean, ferocity? Ferocity. Fear? Like furiously. Ferociously. I may have made that word up now that I just, just realized that I should have said praise God with... Ferociously, so ferocity may not be a word. I'll put that on the record, but I was thinking ferocious, but so ferociously. What does that mean? To praise God ferociously, like intensely. intensely, with all that your heart, so that everywhere you go with it, whether it be your church, your community, or your classroom, people understand by your thankfulness that you are living for the Lord, that you are content and consistent as a Christian. Verse twenty-one, Reese. Okay, so what does the word "submit" mean? To turn. To turn. Turn in. Turn in. Not like homework. To like agree. Mm-hmm. What's the word? Submit. In this word, what do you think? Submitting to one another in the fear so of Christ. Kind of like surrendering. To yourself. Yourself, yeah. Yes, surrendering yourself, placing yourself beneath that person. So when we submit ourselves to Christ, we we are obviously saying, "Lord, you are above us." In all ways. And so, but he says submit to one another in the fear of Christ. So we're supposed to submit to Christ as King. Do we agree with that? Are we supposed to submit to one another in love? Do we agree with that? Okay, and then do we submit to authority in peace? Right? So, which one of those is the hardest? Submitting to Christ as King. I think that's the hardest. I'll answer that one for you. Then submitting to authority and peace, like your parents or your teachers or your government, and then submitting to one another in love. So obviously submitting to Christ as king is something we always struggle with because we, he asks us to do things, and sometimes we, by not staying spiritually awake, we choose other things. We don't pay attention to how we live. But especially for you guys as teenagers, submitting to authority and peace now, what, what about when your parents tell you something that you don't like? What do you usually do, Emma? Mad. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I'm, just be honest, you Start know. Yelling. Start yelling, be mad, stomp off, mad. shut the door, get in trouble, get stung by a bee. I'm just kidding. It has nothing to do with it. And so that's hard for us. So do you think that our ability to submit to people in love as friends and peers, but also to those above us, does that hurt our consistency as Christians? Do you think if, if for instance, David um, goes to school, people know he's a Christian, he claims to be a Christian, but he is just flat out disrespectful to everybody. Do you think that harms his consistency as a Christian? Right, they, they have a people will have a hard time seeing that because he's not submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now what about Kate? Say she walks around and people know that she's a Christian, but she never speaks well about her parents. You know, and and, and again, let's just take the, the bad situations out. I think all of you in here have great parents and that's a blessing. I will stay a side note, not everyone has great parents. And so even though for those of us that may have friends that don't have good parents, we still have an opportunity to respect them as much as we can, right? Even if they're bad to us. But in your case, in Kate's case, she has good parents. So she just walks around school just bad-mouthing her parents all the time. What do you think that tells people about her love for God? It's confusing, right? Because most people know that the Bible says we're to honor our father and mother. And so the way that we stay submitting to people in the fear of the love of Christ, that helps our consistency. So, Macy, run back the four things we're supposed to do. Stay, stay awake. Stay sober. Stay. Ah. Someone else did the last two. I got, I got the first uh, The, the fourth that's the fourth one. Stay, David, wake up. Uh, uh, Sit up. So fear, stay and thankful. Um, and submit. He says, submit, submit one in the fear of stay submitting. Yes. So stay awake spiritually, stay sober physically and spiritually, stay thankful always, and stay submitting. And if you do that, if you seek to do those things, to, to become. And, and, and stay these four ways, then your Christian life will be consistent. It will be marked with consistency. And I promise you'll have greater joy because of it. Um, it. It's a great passage, for, and it's a command. Paul is not saying to you in this passage, in these verses, hey, uh, please consider doing this. He's saying, do this. He's saying, pay careful attention. Don't be foolish. Don't get drunk. Speak this way and submit to one another in the fear of Christ. It's a command. Paul's commanding us by the way that he commanded those Ephesians. And so that is how we are consistent in the Christian life.